Welcome to MotivationAddict.com with Julie Salon. This is where you will find inspiring stories on how to motivate yourself and gain momentum towards success, turning fear into confidence, and how to find divine flow, allowing you to crush your goals. Thank you for being here. And now, let's tune in to today's show. Hey everyone, Julie Salon from Motivation Addict. Today I have an amazing guest. Her name is Ren Blay Zimmerman. Ren is a blind equestrian athlete whose sights are set on becoming the first blind person to make the USEF show jumping ranking list and eventually compete in the Paralympic Games. Uh, she it was diagnosed at 17 years old with a rare incurable eye disease called Stargardt's macular dystrophy. It's a progressive degenerative eye disease that would eventually render her legally blind. And over the next couple of years, she's continued to lose her vision. So she's now legally blind and basically faces the challenges of living life with an invisible disability. Um, but she is a parashow jumper. She is riding horses that are very difficult to ride and jumping them. And it's fascinating to talk with her about how she learns the horses and how the bond she has with her horse. Uh, her hope is that through her equestrian endeavor, she can contribute to the growth and accessibility of the horse by sport by personally competing against able-bodied riders. And she really wants to spur more riders with disabilities to become involved in jumping competitions and really hopes that it will empower change and encourage interest and acceptance of the emerging sport of para-show jumping with the goal of it becoming a Paralympic sport. So I hope you will enjoy this. Uh, I love talking with Ren. She's very well-read, very very easy to talk to, and really, really insightful in terms of what she can offer to the world, even with her disability, which really just makes her an incredible, incredible person. Enjoy the show. Hey, everyone. It's Julie Salon from Motivation Addict. I am super, super excited today. I have an amazing guest, Ren Blay Zimmerman. She is a show jumper who is, are you partially blind, Ren, or are you fully blind? So I'm, I am. I'm sorry to jump in, but I just want to make sure I introduce it. Yeah, I'm what they consider (laughs) legally blind. Um, I do have partial vision, but obviously we can talk about that a little bit later and I can explain a little bit more about what being blind actually means and all the variations of that. Yes, yes. So she is uh, show jumping right now. She's looking to go to the Paralympics, correct? Yes. And I saw her on uh, LinkedIn and I looked on her website and she's doing some amazing things because as you equestrians know, whether you can hear me or see me, you don't have to either way, but you know if you watch show jumping, it's very difficult. They have to learn patterns. It's a very super, super hard sport. My hat's off to you because I'm scared to jump. So <laughs> thank you. So so and she's not riding easy horses, you guys, as you know. So um welcome to the show, Ren. Thank you for being here. I'm so excited to talk to you today. Yeah, thanks for having me. I'm really excited. So let's just give everyone a little bit of a background on how you started riding and, and kind of what brought you to where you are today. Yeah, so I, um, I actually, I've always had an affinity for horses, but you know, growing up, my parents obviously thought it was dangerous, didn't want me to ride. It's an expensive sport, as we all know. Um, so it wasn't until after college, actually, that I started riding, and it was at a therapeutic riding center, and the way I was able to do that was I helped with their program in exchange for lessons, and it just so happened that I ended up kind of exercise riding the horses because with my disability, I could still do everything pretty easily. 
Um, so I pretty much taught myself how to ride. And then it was at that point that, you know, my heart's always been in jumping. That's always what I've wanted to learn how to do. Um, that I asked the therapeutic riding instructor if we could try jumping. And she said, you know, there's really no way you're ever going to be able to do that. Someone who's visually impaired, blind, that's just not feasible. So at that point, I decided to kind of put my efforts elsewhere and found another trainer that was willing to take me on. Um, so she started me jumping. And then pretty much over the course of about four years, I went from jumping my first course to actually competing against able-bodied riders. And then about two years ago now, um, the horse that I was riding, he was older, so he was about 26. He just couldn't do the higher level jumpers anymore. So that's the point at which I decided to actually move across the country to Kentucky to train more seriously um, and pursue kind of that dream and that long-term goal of going to the Paralympics. So you are all in. You are all yes. in on this. <laughs> yes. Yes, I love, I, uh, I love that because yeah. down on yourself is a good thing. But let's let's talk about let's talk a little bit about trainers for a second. And I don't yes. I want to bash trainers because there are great trainers, there are not so great trainers, and we probably all had both. But tell me how you felt when the trainer said to you, "You know what, Ren? That's just not going to even happen. It's not going to work." Right. So you know, here as a disabled person, obviously, all you're trying to do is fit in with everyone else and kind of make it so that people don't know that you're disabled um, and you want to be able to do that everything that everyone else does and it's already a daily reminder that you can't so when someone tells you you can't do something you know that's almost more motivation to yeah. actually want to prove them wrong and go out and do it um, but there was really no point where I thought I can't do this just because someone else is telling me I can't do this that never crossed my mind. Um, so I'm you know I'm a pretty determined person um, and that was just more motivation to go out and kind of show that someone who's visually impaired can do something like that. Absolutely. Absolutely. Yeah. And having a trainer that's really great and behind you. And I always ask this question, how do you learn, Ren? So do you learn, um, and it's got nothing to do with your disabilities because everyone learns differently. Some people right. pressure, they love it. And so others are crumble against it. Some people like, I like support, um, mm -hmm. versus if you tell me, you know, if you say that I can't do something that I want to do it even more, but I need more support, like you can do this right. versus, you know, some people push, push, push. What works best for you when you're learning? So it's kind of a combination of things. Um, I do find, you know, positive reinforcement and that positive feedback and constructive criticism, essentially. You know, I like to hear what I'm doing right, but I also want to know what I'm not doing so that I can fix that. Um, but, you know, the trainers out there that just kind of tell you, no, 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 this is wrong. You're doing this all wrong. That sort of ends up bringing me down. So I like a good balance of both. Um, my trainer now, her name is Nia Stevens. She's amazing very calm, very supportive, but she's also very professional. And so, you know, we have our goals, we have what we need to get done, you know, in, in during the lesson, she is all there and we're focused on that. Um, but then outside of the lesson, you know, we have a rapport that's very much a uh, friendship. Awesome. So kind of that balance of both is really important. Um, yeah. and actually, speaking of trainers, before I found my original trainer that got me jumping, her name is Vicki Zacharias, and she's out in Portland, Oregon. Um, I had gone to several trainers, and a lot of them turned me down. They said, we don't want to work with you. We don't feel comfortable. They didn't want to put me on their horses, which is completely understandable. Um, but that in itself, it took a certain kind of person to really go out on a limb and 
believe in me and give me that opportunity. So without Vicky, I wouldn't actually be riding or jumping horses today. So it definitely takes a special kind of trainer to uh, work with me. (laughs) That's awesome though. That's awesome that you found someone that can, the right trainer really makes a difference because I had a, not a, a terrible trainer. And then I found a great one and it makes all the difference in you and the horse and the communication, just everything flows better and it gives you the confidence. So that's awesome that you found somebody. That's amazing. Yeah. Yeah, it really is. And you know, someone that's willing to um, work with you because obviously I have some accommodations and we can go into that later, but that they're not so set in their ways that they want you to do it their way when you physically can't, you know? So someone that's also willing to accommodate you and work with it and sort of, change as you go along. Yeah. Yeah. So I'm just thinking about my horse and I'm thinking about riding and getting on and actually doing something. What can you see? How how does it look like for you? So it's really hard to describe, honestly. (laughs) Um, Essentially, kind of the way I describe it is that when you get out of the uh, the shower and the mirror is sort of fogged over, you can see a basic outline of your face where there's um, kind of like a, for me, it's a peach colored blob and then brown blob on the outside. And then if you take an eraser and erase the central part of that, my central vision's completely blank. So everything is just colorful blobs. Now, my peripheral vision is where I do have vision, but it's not completely clear. So it uses, my brain uses what it sees in the peripheral vision to guess at what should be in that central blank spot. So what ends up happening is that it's almost like this sparkle effect where my brain is thinking, oh, maybe it's this, maybe it's that, maybe it's that, as it uses what it sees on the periphery. So it's not just a blank spot, even though it is a blind spot, (laughs) Um, but it's sort of sparkling. And then on the peripheral vision, it's all really blurry. So, you know, my color perception, um, colors will blend into each other if they're similar. All dark colors kind of look black. All light colors look white. Um, And it, you know, you can't make out details, you can't read, you can't see faces. Um, So, you know, when you're learning how to do a course and stuff, the bright colors of the show jumps really makes a difference. So the larger the surface area and the brighter the color contrast, the easier it is for me to sort of make out a blob of color, essentially. Okay. Wow. I know that's really hard to sort of... try to picture. <laughs> no, no, I get it. And I'm, cause I'm pretty visual. And also everyone, I'm going to be posting all of Ren's links and on her website, she has a picture of kind of what Ren sees. So it's helpful, but exactly what she's describing, if you're listening is exactly what, what you see. And it's kind of like she said, it's all the surrounding and then nothing kind of in the middle. So the face is com- completely blanked out. So it's just really fuzzy and hazy, but it's, there's something there. It's not completely dark, but it's really difficult to make out kind of what it is. Right, Ren? Exactly. Yeah. So for example, you know, when I'm having a conversation with someone, I can't see their face. Um, when I'm, you know, when I look out in the field, the reason I have a gray horse is because I can see that blob of what looks like white to me against the backdrop of the brown and the green of nature. Um, I used to lease a brown horse and I would walk all the way across the pasture and find out that it was a tree. So (laughs) things like that where like little mishaps where you don't even think about it. Um, But yeah. Yeah. (laughs) So the horse that you're riding now, do you own this horse or are you leasing it? I do not. So I'm actually leasing him. He is a really cool horse. I only started leasing him about two months ago. 
Um, and his name is, well, his name is Casacasca, but his barn name is Valentine. And he is actually an ex-Grand Prix horse that a woman imported from Spain for her daughter. Her daughter stopped riding. And so now I came across him um, and he's kind of been teaching me a lot. So oh, that's, awesome. that's what I've been looking for is a horse that can, you know, almost be like my seeing eye horse and make up for the vision that I lack that knows his job that can teach me um essentially more about what I'm doing yeah yeah so you must have a very strong bond with this horse I know it's only been a couple of months but is that a prerequisite especially for you when you're riding I would think yes right? yeah yeah so it definitely takes um a special kind of horse you know and I all horse people know that when you get on a horse either you kind of click with it or you don't yeah um so I tried a few horses but as soon as I got on him it was like it just felt right. Um, took him over like a triple combination the first time and it was super easy. He got me to the center of the jumps, which is always difficult for me. Um, and you know, we've obviously built that rapport over the past few months. So I think we're, you know, we're still learning each other, but it's, I'm excited to see where it goes and to show it this summer. That's awesome. That's awesome. So tell me, this is the biggest question I know everyone's thinking and I've been dying to ask. Yeah. How do you learn a course? Because it's complicated and things move around. How do you do that? Yes. So it's a very kind of um, structured, meticulous process. I will go into the arena that I'm going to be showing in and I'll actually walk the perimeter of it. So I kind of get a sense of what the size of it is. And then I will divide it up into a grid. So I'll walk the half lines, the center lines, and then the quarter lines both ways. And then I'll actually have an age. So when I lived back in Portland, it was my mother. Now it's actually my boyfriend. Um, who's, they're both super supportive. Um, so they'll stand with me at the first jump and essentially will will do a 360 from each jump. And they'll tell me about how far away the next jump is. So we'll turn in a circle and they'll say, the blue jump is about three feet away and it's at this angle and they'll show me the angle it's at with their hand and then we'll keep on going. And so I do that at every single jump. So I get this mental map of where the jumps are in relation to each other. Then I have a whiteboard and we use these little magnets that we color the same color as the jumps. And so my aide will put those magnets on the whiteboard the way they are in the arena. Um, so then I can also look at that whiteboard and get that mental map and look up close at it to get that mental map of where the jumps are. So I usually do that um, first thing in the morning. Obviously, the jumps are only set up in the morning. So I do that before I ever even look at what the course is going to be. So I have that mental map. Then I go into the arena once I know what the course is. And on that whiteboard, the aide will again draw the lines of from one jump to the next of what the actual course is in one color, then do the jump off color or the jump off course in a different color and we'll go and walk that course. And then I'll also, because obviously, you know, a lot of jumps, they have like the red, or they have the numbers on them, but they have the red flag on the right. Well, I can't look at a jump and see where that red flag is. So I don't know just from vision which way I'm going if I get lost and I can't look for the number. So I really have to know my course in addition to memorizing where everything is. So I'll actually write out on a piece of paper the name of the jump and then I'll put right or left, and then like roll back. So it'll have the name of the jump in a whole sheet of my turn. So green jump, right, blue jump, left. 
yellow jump, roll back, green, and so on. Um, so once I actually go into that arena, it's like I have everything memorized. <laughs> wow. Wow. That's a, that's quite a process. I, I mean, yeah. I'm just like, I don't even know how you do that because it's not, it's not like something that you can think about, you know, and know like a test, you know, five days ahead of time because things change so quickly. Right, right. So I'm up pretty early in the morning um, and I'm doing a lot of work memorizing, looking at that whiteboard and kind of just in my head before I ever get on the horse. It's a a few hours. Yeah, yeah. So when you go in, you feel completely prepared, prepped, ready to go. You know exactly where you're going to go and you know if you're going to go left or right. How does it work with the horse? So, cause you have to guide your horse and then you have to know the distance. I guess the distance is what is the hardest. It would be the, is that the hardest thing? Um, the, well, the hardest thing is the warm up arena, but we can talk about that in a minute. <laughs> well, that's um, a whole other enchilada, you know? <laughs> yeah. yeah. Um, so I, I also, obviously, you know, I go through all the striding. Once I've learned my course and everything, I go through all the striding with my trainer, all the count out the strides. So I know exactly how many strides after the jump before I turn right and how many strides then up until that next jump. So a lot of it is just making sure that I stay rhythmic and keep with those strides and the feel of the horse. You know, the horse, obviously in this case, in my case, he knows his job. He's been there, done that. So I leave the jumping up to him and that like my, I can't see the distances. So I know that there's three strides before jump and then I let him do his job. Mm-hmm. So that's kind of how I make it to the jumps. <laughs> wow. Wow. That's fascinating. Now, so yeah. you're, are you, I think you're the only blind, are you the only blind show jumper out there right now? Well, actually, no, um, believe it or not. So I, um, I don't know about show jumping. There is another girl that I came across on Facebook, actually, and I connected with her and she has the exact same diagnosis that I do. And she does eventing, which is quite impressive. Wow. (laughs) Um, Her name is Ashley Russell. And yeah, she's, there's a documentary out there about her really, really cool story. Um, But I've also connected with a few other people. You know, one of the really cool things about being able to do this is that you get messages from people all over the world who say, you know, whether it's a parent that says my son, daughter is visually impaired, they ride horses, they want to jump, or people that actually do jump and contact me and say, I didn't know there was anyone else out there. So there's a few other people out there that are doing it. Um, You know, over in Europe, obviously, parachute jumping in various countries is an actual discipline, whereas in the U.S. it's not yet. So here in the U.S., all of the disabled people that are jumping are competing against able-bodied riders if they're competing. That's crazy. I mean, that's just, uh, I mean, yeah, these are not easy jumps. These are not easy horses. These are not easy courses. Uh, This is just, it's incredible that you can do this and you're doing it so well. So, I mean, this is amazing. I'm so, I mean, this is, I I don't even have enough words to say how much I respect you. (laughs) Thank you. I appreciate that. Really cool. Let's talk about the warm up. So we're at the show and now we're, you've got the course in mind and we're going to go to the warm up ring. And I know from firsthand experience, that can be a little bit of a difficult place. How do you handle that? Yeah. So that is probably the hardest part of horse showing in general or horseback riding in general. Yep. Um, you know, there's always this kind of conundrum as to do you want people to know that you're visually impaired? Because there's always going to be those people out there that think you shouldn't be there. And then on the other hand, you want to fit in as much as possible. 
Um, but so usually what I do is I'll let my trainer kind of communicate to other trainers in the warm-up arena that I'm visually impaired, and then they can direct their riders accordingly if they see something is going to happen. Um, I also recently started using an earpiece. So my trainer has her own earpiece with a microphone, and so she's right in my ear, and she can tell me if someone's coming towards me or where to turn. Um, so that's really helpful as well. She's kind of like my eyes in addition to the horse. Yeah. Um, but it is very difficult. So if you don't know, um, those of you that don't do show jumping, they'll kind of line up all the jumps in the warm-up arena and you sort of call your jump and you just go for it. So there's people left, right, and center. Um, so it's honestly kind of just communicating with the other riders and listening to my trainer, trusting her, and also being confident about it, you know, not second guessing myself because if I second guess myself, the horse picks up on that and then everything goes downhill. So it's a lot of trust in your horse and your trainer and other people as well. Yes, absolutely. And, you know, I'd like to talk about the community a little bit and it's not just show jumping. It's, I, this is why I ask, uh, you know, like lots of different guests to come on the show because mm -hmm. what we're trying to do is talk about things that a lot of people don't talk about. Right. And there are what you mentioned. Uh, and my experience is not in show jumping. My experience is more dressage and, and saddle seat. But I can tell you, being able-bodied, that there have been people that have kind of pushed me out of the way, and you don't know what you're doing, and get out, get out of here. You know, there's people that are not nice at all. Yes. There's a lot of attitude. And just to, if we all helped each other a little bit, I think it would be such a better community. Have you, how's the response been from riders in the warm-up ring when they know that you are visually impaired? Right. So it's really been a mixed bag. Um, there have been some people that, you know, there have been moms of girls that I've ridden against and they'll go to the show office and they say, this is a danger. This girl shouldn't be here. They throw a big fit. Um, there will be other riders that actually, because I, so what I have is an invisible disability. I do have a white cane, but I don't use it normally. So when people see me, they don't think they don't there's no reason they would know that I'm visually impaired so when they hear that I'm legally blind they kind of want to test it so I've had people actually sort of like coming towards me and cutting me off and kind of you can tell that they're sort of trying to make like to see if I actually am blind and I've had people actually talk about how they think that I'm making it up for the attention Wow. <laughs> um, now on the other hand there are some people that are you know they think it's the coolest thing. They talk to me. They, they're willing to communicate with me in the warm-up arena, and they'll tell me, hey, Ren, Laura's over here. I'm coming to your left, so on. So it really is um, a mix of things. You know, there are some trainers that will actually come, other trainers that will come to my arena and watch me ride because they think it's such a neat story, and then trainers, on the other hand, that think it's that I shouldn't be there and a lot of them actually, though, of those trainers, they'll sometimes get mad if I do beat their riders. <laughs> so that's another uh, kind of problem that we run into. Yes, or yes. This person shouldn't be able to beat other people, right? So. Yeah, I was yeah. just going to say that they're probably just feeling a little bit threatened that yeah. you're there and it comes out as you shouldn't be here. It's amazing to me that somebody's mother would go to the show office and say you shouldn't be there because you can be there. You've obviously qualified to be there. So, I mean, I, I just think that if we can all be a little kinder to each other and give each other a little space, I think it would be helpful for everybody. And everybody deserves a chance 
to live their dream and be there. You've obviously got a wonderful horse and a wonderful trainer. So it makes, and you know, you're doing great things. So everybody has a chance to be there. So I, I agree with support is better than trying to tear somebody down, you know? Well, I think it's important to remember, you know, regardless of ability or disability, everyone has been where I am at some point, as far as starting showing and learning how to ride and being in that warm up arena. Um, you know, a lot of people, I think, seem to have the mentality that if you don't know what you're doing, you shouldn't be here. But how else are people supposed to get into the sport? Yeah. You know? So I think that community that you're talking about, where if people supported each other more, I think it would actually grow the equestrian community. Um, so that's something that I would love to see. Yeah, I do too, because I, I think it's just, it's for everyone. And horses are so magical and wonderful and they help us heal on so many levels. doesn't yeah. matter if you're visually, you can't, you know, see, or if you're legally blind, because we're all, we've all got disabilities. That's the way I look at life. We've all yep. got something inside that looks, you look okay from the outside or you don't, but we all have disabilities. It could be emotional, right? right? So, it's, it, so I just think that they're such healing animals and I'm just excited to, to see somebody who's really killing it, which I think is amazing. Well, thank you. Yeah. So I'd like to let, know a little bit more about the rapport that you have with your horse. Cause I find that so fascinating. Yeah, that works. I mean, when you get on, is your horse ready to go because he's got so much experience or do you kind of ease into it with a lot of warm up? How does that work? Yeah, so I'm, I'm, I'm actually going to talk about a horse that I used to lease. Um, his he was also an ex Grand Prix horse and he was my old trainer's horse. And I was with him for about two to three years and I built a really good rapport with him. And he, um, you know, obviously that took time. But when I got on him, it was like, he knew it was me. He knew it was time to work. And there were things where, you know, if I lost my balance, you can see in videos, he's like pushing his shoulder up to keep me on. Or where if I took a wrong turn and there's a tree in the way, he'll maneuver me around it and get me to the center of the next jump. Um, So not that like I think he knows that I'm visually impaired, but he understood in a way what I couldn't see and, or couldn't do and made up for it. And, you know, he knew when something was wrong and he would fix it for me. Um, This new horse that I have, he's an awesome horse. I don't think we're there yet, honestly. Um, Again, we've only been together for about two months, but something he, you know, does do is when we have our distances off, he kind of takes over and he's like, okay, Ren, I got this let me do my job. And he always gets me to the other side of the jump. And regardless of if he's taking off long or short, he gets me over that jump. So, um, yeah, so that rapport with him, again, we're building on the ground. I think it's really good. You know, we actually went to our first schooling show this past weekend and it's really cool because he was right at my shoulder the entire time when I wasn't on his back. It was almost like he knew I was his person. He wanted to stay close to me. When I would walk away and someone was holding him, he'd like make sure I was there and then see until like stop and wait until I came back. So it's really cool to have that kind of um, relationship with the horse. And I know that that's only going to grow as we spend more time together. That's awesome. That's awesome. And I think that they do know that something's different maybe. And also that they will try to protect you. Like this is my buddy, right? We're 50, 50% and I'm going to help her out. If I can see something she can't, I'm going to help. That's amazing that I'm not surprised that your other horse tried to keep you on if you were getting a little bobbly or something, because that's what they do. They're such a living animal, right? right? And it's, yeah. And you have that bond with them and it's like, 
you know, you might be the, pe the person that feeds them every day, but you're there for them. You continue coming back for them. And so it's, it's definitely one of those, if you scratch my back, I'll scratch yours kind of thing. Yeah. Where you're there for them and they're there for you when you need them. Now, when you're leasing, do you, do you do everything yourself? Do you tack up in everything or does, does a trainer do that for you? No. Oh no. Gosh. Okay. No. <laughs> um, okay you do it all. <laughs> I, I do it all. Yeah. So I'm, I'm a strong believer. Um, obviously I don't really come from, you know, I, I pay for all this myself. Um, so one financially, I don't have the means to have someone tack up my horse for me. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> um, but I'm also a strong believer in spending time with the horse, both on the ground and in the saddle. You know, if you are the one taking your horse out of the stall and tacking him up, you know, what kind of mood he's going to be in for the day. You kind of know where he's at before you ever get on um, his back. And it's just spending that time with the horse. It's not, it's not just a machine. It's an actual living creature, you know? So that's really important to me. Um, I do have him at a small show jumping barn and the trainer there who owns the barn, you know, she does the feeding. She'll turn him out in the mornings and stuff, um, has his stall picked and everything. But as far as actually interacting with him and tacking up and everything, I do all of that myself. Amen, girl. I totally get you because that's exactly how I am. I always yeah. have done everything myself and it's, it's, it's a preference because you know, exactly like you said, they know, you know, hundred percent what kind of yeah. mood they're in, what you're working with that day, which is yeah. also why I believe so strongly in groundwork, right? Because mm -hmm. you can learn so much that transfers into the cell afterwards. It's just a preference. I mean, even like the little things, like it's been a hundred degrees here where I am in South Carolina and mm -hmm. just going there and giving him a little bit of water and a bath. It's just those little things. They make such a big difference. Exactly. Right? Yeah. I mean, there'll be days, you know, if I'm not, I don't ride him. I'll just go walk him around the property and bring him outside for some grass. And it's, it's just spending that time with him. And you know, you, you learn about him. You learn, I know it sounds silly, but like you learn what he likes, you learn what he doesn't like, you learn how he reacts to different things. And all of that translates to your bond in the saddle. Yeah, so. absolutely. Have, have your horses been the kind, cause I know you said that they both have the experience um, mm -hmm. of the jumping. Have both of them been very um, forward moving or have you had to work with them and use a lot of muscle? Um, so both of them are pretty forward moving. I have ridden other horses, obviously, that need a little bit more muscle. Um, you know, as far as from my standpoint as an athlete, I do work out, I do both cardio and strength training. So I do a lot out of the saddle um, to make sure that as an athlete, I'm prepared to ride whatever horse it is that I end up riding. Um, but I definitely prefer a more forward moving horse. You know, you don't want to expend all that energy trying to get the horse to go when you're focused on where the jumps are and the striding and everything else. Absolutely. Absolutely. Yeah. Let's talk about that for a minute because that's super important, right? We expect mm -hmm. so much from our horses, they're athletes, but we're athletes too. Whether yeah. you're doing a small local show or even if I believe, even if you're just hacking around, it's, mm -hmm. it's really important for you to be strong and in shape. So how much do you think that contributes to your success in terms of you keeping yourself? <laughs> yeah. Keeping yourself in great yeah, I think it's huge. Um, I mean, there have been, you know, there have been months where maybe I'm not working out as much, maybe I'm not eating as healthy, and I can tell a difference with my riding. Mm -hmm. um, but I think it's really important, you know, you see the horse as your partner in this sport. And so if your horse is in good shape and your horse is doing everything for you that he can, I think it's only fair that you do everything yourself to make it 
the best and the easiest for your horse. So it's a yes. two-way street. Um, but it's it makes a huge difference. I mean, my position, my strength, all of that comes from, you know, working out and it it makes a huge difference. Yeah, absolutely. Because I mean, you're holding and maneuvering a thousand plus pound animal and that's all muscle. Right. I want to ask you something funny. And I always ask this question, Ren. So don't, don't get like, I'm just throwing you a little curveball, but it won't won't be bad. (laughs) Um, My, one of my very good friends who was very well schooled in Germany, um, she could have been a trainer because she was just amazing. She always told me we have to ride with the mind because we can't mm-hmm. override with uh, the muscles, right? Because we'll never get to their level. Right. What do, do you believe that? And, and how does that work for you? Yes, I definitely agree with that. And that is actually something that I am currently working on. Um, <laughs> me too. Me too. <laughs> yeah. So I'm actually, I'm only five feet tall. So, you know, regardless of how tall you are, but with my stature, there's no way I'm going to be able to control a horse with my strength or lack thereof. Um, And, you know, the horse, I think, kind of does parallel your mind. You know, all of the trainers that I've had have said, if you think it, the horse knows you're thinking it. Yes. I've found that, you know, think about it and the horse does it. So I think that it, the hardest part, obviously, is that it's human instinct to tense up when you're on the horse or try to move the horse with your body. But it's that, trying to let your mind take over and kind of calm down and think about things. Um, so that's, it's, it's definitely something that takes practice and that is difficult to learn. <laughs> yeah. And it's kind of like a muscle because we're all, well, I'll speak for myself. You know, I get tense and I get nervous. I'm more of a nervous rider because mm-hmm. I'm expecting something that sh- I shouldn't be expecting. And then my horse gets nervous. So I try to work on those calming signals, which is, kind of like a muscle, right? You have to continually practice. But let's talk about the fun part, which is, oh my gosh, this gets me excited because I believe it's happened with me and now it's happened with you. And I know it happens with a, with a lot of folks. You know, you think something and then they do it for you. Yes. It's so super cool. Yes. Do you, know, do you think there was a process to that or unconsciously, or do you think it was just you spending time bonding and then you know each other really well? You know, I think that, animals are so in tune you know obviously they can't communicate um with voice and so I think they're so in tune to just our body movements and their surroundings um my guess is that's what they're picking up on you know if you're thinking I'm going to go to the left there might be an imperceptible shift from your body but even that tiny little movement the horse picks up on yes I think it, it, that's where it's coming from. I agree because, you know, as I read somewhere that you, they can feel the, the small fly and, you know, their skin reacts. So they're obviously going to feel you just, even if you just shift your hips a little bit, or even if, you know, a lot of times I watch the, what I always do is straight stuff. So, but you're, you're constantly, you know, looking around because you're trying to judge distances, yeah. even with, with, if you're not visually impaired. So I would think that if you look a certain way, then obviously you're, you're going to shift a tiny bit and then your horse is going to find that balance and try to kind of keep straight underneath you. And they would feel that too. Right. Right. And actually what's interesting is that with my visual impairment, because I don't have that central vision, when I come around a corner, my eyes will scan like constantly from left to right. And so, because I'm trying to use what I see to guess what should be in the center and figure out where that jump is. And so something that um, I'm working on with my horse right now is that 
he hasn't figured out yet that that's not the direction I want to go, that that, that my shifting of my eyes is just me trying to figure out where I am. So he actually will kind of like turn left and right as I move my eyes around. Wow. We're kind of working on getting him, you know, he knows his job going straight to the jump, but it's keeping my body straight while shifting my eyes around and just trusting that he'll go straight. <laughs> right. Right. Oh, because he's so sensitive to what you're doing. So that's exactly. amazing. That's yeah. incredible. Yeah. Incredible. Yeah. What, what is par show jumping run? I have no idea. Can you explain what that yeah. is? So para show jumping, um, obviously you guys know like the Olympics and the Paralympics. So the yes. para essentially parallels the able-bodied version of the sport. So right now in the Paralympics, there's only para dressage. Um, there's, I know that there's also, you know, para raining and everything, um, but there is no para show jumping. There is no parallel to the hunter jumper version. Um, and so the idea is that, um, how do I explain this? So let me, let me start by saying there's various countries over in Europe that actually do recognize para show jumping as a discipline, as its own sport. Um, in the U.S. and in Canada, everyone who's disabled that participates in jumping participates against able-bodied riders. So there is no para version of it. Now, the FEI, the um, regulating body, obviously, internationally, they will regulate a sport, I think, if it's more than eight countries that have officially recognized it as a discipline. So there's a lot of people right now trying to talk with the FEI to get that sport regulated. And of course, it can't become a Paralympic sport until the international regulating body regulates it. So um, the US and Canada are a little bit more behind. Canada is more open to it. Um, but the hope is that by raising awareness of para show jumping, it will get more people with disabilities involved in the sport of jumping and that eventually it will become a discipline in the U.S. and Canada and worldwide and eventually become a Paralympic sport. Wow. So where do you see yourself going? I mean, what are your goals as it stands right now? Yeah. So I, um, I compete currently at the meter jumpers. Um, my goal is to become the first blind person to actually make the USCF show jumping ranking list. Um, I'm both Canadian and American, so I see a little bit more potential of maybe <laughs> going up to Canada to train eventually. Um, but, you know, my long-term dream is obviously going to the Olympics, but definitely the Paralympics. And so what I'm currently doing is trying to advocate for para show jumping to become a Paralympic sport and then long-term actually going to the Paralympics. Are they close to making a decision? Have are there how many countries are have approved it so far? So I don't know exactly how many countries. The problem is like it's kind of on the hush hush. Oh, okay. <laughs> People aren't really open to talking about it because there's so much um, you know, on the back end, there's so much controversy with it, and especially that there's a danger aspect of it and people don't want to admit that disabled people can jump horses. So there's, there's a lot of back end politics um, going on. There are more than eight countries though. And I know that there's actually a girl over in um, Europe that has met with the FEI this past week to present to them why para show jumping should become an FEI discipline. So we're kind of waiting to hear back um, where things stand with that 
but there are more than eight countries that recognize it. So hopefully it'll move forward. I mean, the hope is that it'll, it'll be part of the 2028 Paralympics. Yeah, absolutely. Do you, do you think that it's because you said mentioned politics, which we're not going to get into. Yeah. <laughs> I just don't want to go down that road. Yeah. But um, do you think that it's because of the danger factor that they're thinking, because it's so dangerous anyway, right. but if, if you're, if you're blind, there are inherent other dangers. As you said, you know, your horse is so sensitive. If your eyes are moving, then your horse is kind of moving as well. Do you think it's because they're, they're nervous? Yes. That they're, yeah. yeah. Well, and I think, I think part of the problem, you know, any disability, not just visual impairment, is an unknown to most people. And so it's human nature to be afraid of the unknown. So someone who doesn't know anything about disabilities hears about a blind person or a person without legs, you know, jumping horses, they immediately think, oh my gosh, that sounds really dangerous. And so they aren't willing to sort of understand that that is a possibility until they see it. So, you know, what will eventually have to happen is that there's going to have to be demonstration classes and there's going to kind of be a, have to be a proof of concept that, disabled people can do this to make people change their mind about what disabled people are capable of. Right. Um, but I think it's just a fear of the unknown. And I think, you know, education and exposure is what's going to change that. Yeah. And I think that just because I think that they probably went through this with dressage and now it's, mm-hmm. you know, they're, they have, they have it. So, because I yeah. interviewed someone who was a para dressage writer and she wants to go to the Paralympics as well. So I just think it's maybe a time timely thing and they need the proof of concept, like you mentioned. Um, yeah. So, I mean, it just must be incredible for you to go out there and man, that's just amazing that you can do this and compete against others. I mean, uh, it's amazing. What are you showing right now? Like, do you have a busy schedule now that summer's just about here? Yeah. So I actually, um, you know, I've always wanted to show at the Kentucky Horse Park. So I'm going to be doing that for the first time um, in June. Oh, congrats. That's great. Yeah. So I'm really excited about that. And then there is a horse show series that kind of goes throughout the summer at the horse park. So I'm going to be doing that for the summer. Um, You know, I'm leasing this horse until next year. Kind of where I'm at is, you know, with sponsorship and everything, I'm trying to raise funding to be able to continue to ride. So we'll see sort of what happens um, towards the end of the show season for next year. But yeah, it's pretty, pretty busy schedule. Um, they're week-long shows that I do, and they run about every two, two a month. So Awesome, awesome. Man, you've got yeah. your hands full, right? <laughs> yes, <laughs> yeah. Well, I can't thank you enough for being here, Ren. It's been a pleasure to talk with you. And what, where yeah. can people find you? I'm going to have all the links, but what's the best place to find you? Yeah, so I actually have a web page. Um, it's Ren Blay, which is my middle name, uh, .com. It has my story and all the information on there. I do have an Instagram page, um, and then I also have Facebook. So I love hearing from people. You know, I've had people reach out to me about all sorts of things. And if you want to follow my story and my adventure, um, probably Instagram would actually be the best place to do yeah. that. Yeah. And then she's also got um, a PayPal to, if you want to donate to her cause as well, she's got a PayPal link that I'm going to put up as well, as well as she's going to also send me a link for her deck. Um, That's just a presentation for anyone interested in potential sponsorship 
for her. Um, so I will have all the links below and I'm telling you guys, you got to follow her because I went on her website and I, there's amazing pictures. It's, it's so crazy to see what she can see, what she can't see and how she maneuvers. And I'm just super excited for you, Ren, because I think you're thank just you. doing great things. I can't, thank I you. thank you so much for being here. Is there anything that you want to leave the listeners with anybody that might be struggling or anything that you'd like to say to the, the yeah, listeners? Yeah, well, you know, I mean, Obviously, I'm using writing as my vehicle to sort of get awareness, raise awareness of visual impairment. Um, my main goal is to change the perception that people have of those of us that are visually impaired um, and just kind of raise awareness and make people rethink what they think about people that are blind, um, but also people with other disabilities. And, you know, my main goal is to kind of inspire other people to pursue their passion. You know, I think quality of life is really important. And regardless of ability or disability to pursue their passion, whatever it may be. Um, because I think happiness comes from that, you know, Absolutely. so not to be afraid and to really do what you want to do. Absolutely. And let it serve to be an inspiration to you. If somebody is visually impaired or they're a para rider, instead of thinking, Oh my gosh, you know, they shouldn't be there or they're, they're doing better than I am. Think of it as an inspiration as in, right. Hey, they can do it. Maybe I can, I can try exactly. to raise my level, right? That's what I always think. Hey, if she can do it, maybe I can try harder. I can try something that's maybe I thought I couldn't reach before, but now maybe I'll try to do it, you know, exactly. set your goals higher, right? Exactly. And anything's possible. You know, I mean, that's something that people have to remember. They, everyone focuses on what they think is impossible, but anything's possible. Yeah. Ren, before I let you go, have you, is your foundation for your success, has your family been behind you a hundred percent in terms of not financial, but emotionally saying, yes, Ren, you can do it. Um, that's, that's kind of a tough question. You know, in all honesty, no. <laughs> um, here and there, you know, my parents have been supportive. They, I, they want to see me succeed. Now, do they think I should be doing this as a career? No. Um, you know, one of the hardest things I actually did, I was in grad school and I gave up a scholarship to pursue this full time, which they did oh. not agree with. Wow. Um, but again, you know, it, it, it's very much been kind of a I'm doing this for myself and I'm trying to pr prove that, you know, change the perception that people have of the visually impaired and blind. Um, but I, I know that my family does want me to succeed and they hope that I'm successful. Um, so yeah, so it's been yeah. an interesting journey for sure. Yeah, yeah, of course. And I understand because even my parents and I wasn't even jumping, they were nervous. It just came out because they were fearful. They were nervous that I'd get injured. But I think that your mission is so much greater. You know, you came here with this mission in mind to help others see their own potential yes. and to help others get past barriers that everyone can be successful. So, I mean, that's amazing. That's hats off to you. I think you're well on your way and you. it's only going to get better and better. I mean, you're, I <laughs> you know, you've got lots of time, so this is a great thing, you know? Yeah. Yeah. Well, thank you, Ren, for being here. I appreciate it. Everyone, I'm going to put all the links up. And again, it's Ren Blay, W-R-E-N-B-L-A-E.com. And she's got the social media, the Facebook. She's got the Instagram. She's got LinkedIn. And also, we're going to put up the PayPal as well as the deck for um, sponsorship and any questions that you have. And I thank you for being here, Ren. Thank you so yeah, much. Yeah, thank you for having me. This was really great. Yay. All right, guys. Have a great day. Thanks.